you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Good evening, everyone. So good to be here tonight with all of you, our family, church family. And we are going to continue on in a series that we have been studying every time I'm teaching called Abiding in Agape. Okay, so we uh, have gone through different aspects, um, defining agape, learning where agape comes from. For those of you who are maybe newer, we are studying love. You know, agape is the God kind of love. It's his perfect love, whereas Zoe is his kind of life. Agape is his kind of love. Okay, so I just want to remind us of some things. You know, we started out in First John when we began our study here. And like I said, we've gone through God's love towards us. The most important thing that we have to receive first and foremost is his love, his agape for us. And then when we receive that, we can return that agape to him. We talked about loving him with that perfect kind of love. And now today we're going to move on to ourself and others. This is the trickier, stickier part of walking in agape. So if you want to turn to 1 John chapter 4... I'm just going to read some of these verses. Some of these we have read before, but, you know, I feel like this chapter really ties together so much of the truth about love. So I'm going to start here in verse 7. I'm going to read this out of the Passion just to give us a little bit different perspective. We've been reading out of the ESV, so it says, Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones, that's you. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, abiding, and we make our permanent home in him. That's abiding. We stay. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. He has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God and God lives in them. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may, be, we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, 
for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God demonstrated to us. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. Because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? For he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also demonstrate love to others. So kind of sums it all up for us. And as we move forward here, you know, I want to go back over our expressions of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, But before we get to that, you know, when it comes to, we talked about, okay, God's love towards us, our love towards God. We also have to have a love towards ourselves. There's an agape towards ourselves, and then there's an agape to others. So we are standing on this scripture for that, Luke 10, 25 through 28. So in the Passion Translation, it says it this way. It says, Just then a religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his doctrines. He posed this question, Teacher, what requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, What does Moses teach us? What do you read in the law? The religious scholar answered, it states, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your passion, all your energy, and your every thought. And you must love your neighbor as yourself, or as well as you love yourself, Jesus said. That is correct. Now go and do exactly that, and you will live. Okay, so we see here we're commanded that that agape, that love we have towards God, is with our whole being, with every part of ourselves, Then we're commanded to love our neighbors, not just love them a little bit, love them as well as we love ourselves. That's an interesting thing that God said here, (laughs) that we have to love others as we love ourselves. Um, Now, we can know who our neighbors are by the parable that follows this. So if we read on in scripture, we'd read the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we'd see that our neighbors are people who come into our paths, Anyone who comes into our path, it can be a friend, it can be an enemy, it can be a stranger, it can be acquaintance. It's anyone who crosses our path, that's our neighbor, okay? So as we go through our study of agape towards others, we're going to see that when it comes to ourselves, it's a lot easier to give ourselves grace and mercy. Why? Because we understand ourselves. (laughs) We understand our own motives, and we actually honor the reasons behind our shortcomings much easier than that of others. We just have a better grasp on who we are in the inside, why we do things, and we extend, you know, love to ourselves easier. (laughs) So that's why God told us to love others in that same way that we love ourselves. We should be just as generous and just as compassionate in giving our love to others as we are when we give it to ourselves. Now, are there times when we need help walking in agape towards ourselves? Absolutely. You know, Satan loves to attack attack people with self-hatred or being too hard on yourself. You know, those are things that will come against you, and that is where we just need Holy Spirit's instruction to apply that agape onto those things. Because we should not have self-hatred. We should have a balanced love toward ourselves. Now, Agape is never selfish, so let's just set that straight. 
Okay, so this love of self always has the balance of not being a selfish love, which is completely counterculture. You know, Paul revealed to Timothy that in the last days people would be lovers of self. That's in 2 Timothy 3 2. Now, that word for lover is philos. Okay, so that's and a close, intimate friend, a confidant, um, a close bond of personal affection. These people who were warned against in the last days, they are not loving themselves with agape. They have a selfish phileo love for themselves. It's different. Um, So as we apply agape to ourselves, we have to keep that temptation for selfishness in check. And I know all of you, you know, if you're on social media, anything, you see lots of hashtags for self-love. And it's all about pampering your flesh. And it's all about making yourself feel comfortable and happy. And it has nothing to do with pleasing God. So we are going to learn how to agape ourselves in his way, right? Um, Now, as we're going to look at walking in agape towards others, one thing I want us to keep in mind is from something that John said to his disciples in John 13. I mean, Jesus said to his disciples in John 13, 35, 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So what stands out to me is Jesus is saying, just as I have loved you. He knew he was the perfect example for his disciples. That if they would just do it the same way he did it, there would be a perfect flow of agape. So we can set ourselves straight. If we're ever confused about agape, if we're ever unsure, is this agape we're walking in? The closer we're walking with Jesus, the closer we are to him, the more in unity we are with him, the more yielded we are to him, we're going to be close to agape because Jesus is the perfect expression of God's agape to us. So being in him, naturally agape is going to flow through you easier. You're going to understand it better. Walking with Jesus, staying close to him will enlighten you. You're going to study his life. You're going to study his word. You're going to know him and you will learn agape. So just as we're going through some of these um, characteristics or expressions of agape, let's just keep that in mind that Jesus is the perfect example. Um, So one of the things as I was studying and preparing for this message, the Lord just kept giving me pictures or showing me, he teaches me a lot of times through illustrations um, of gardens. Okay, so there's obvious ties to the parable of the sower when we think of things that way. And, you know, I've often meditated on how our life can be this lush oasis because we have living water. Okay, we have living water within us and it feeds feeds the, the garden of our heart to grow things, right? Um, on the other hand, there can be areas that are more of a um, mirage, something that looks from a distance like there's refreshment there, like there's an oasis there, but it's not really there. It's just, you know, a, a, just a wisp, just it's gone. You know, it's nothing. You cannot actually partake of it. So God wants us to have a real garden. He wants us to have a garden that connects and shares with other people that other people can see it's real 
and you know he has connected the body of Christ. The way he was showing me this is kind of how we see the human body as the body of Christ is, you know, the body of Christ is a bunch of gardens that are all connected together and they're made to work together. They're made to complement and coordinate and be what Jesus needs it to be. Okay, but each of us has a garden that we are responsible for in and of ourselves. And then there's all of those around us that we're connected to. Now, Certainly, there's an agape walk to those who are outside the body of Christ as well, but it is different. Um, it's all about bringing them into the body. Okay, It's actually, I think, easier a lot of times to walk in agape to the strangers, the outsiders, um, at, because we have an understanding their lives are dead. You know, They don't have living water on the inside of them. So if you imagine their life as a garden, it's basically a patch of sand because there's no water to feed it. So they can dress up that sand. You know, they can put some artificial plants, they can put some counterfeit, colorful, pretty things, but it's never gonna have life. There can never be life in an unbeliever because they don't have the river of living water on the inside of them, we do. So that's what, how we minister to people who are outside the body of Christ. We show them our gardens as evidence of what God has done in our life, and we point them to the source of the garden, because we're not the source. Without him, without that living water, we'd just be a patch of sand too, okay? So we point them to the source. That is our walk of agape towards people who are outside the body of Christ. I think the Lord wanted us to focus on kind of the connections more, the walking and agape towards the people who are in the body of Christ, because it can be more challenging. Um, When we see people's gardens up close and personal, we're much more aware of where these gardens have failures, where these gardens have shortcomings. We can see into those dark little corners in the back of our neighbor's garden, like where they might have some rubbish hidden, you know. (laughs) And so it's much more challenging to walk in agape when we see things up close and personal, right? You know, it may take a lot more work to maintain these relationships, but these are the relationships that are going to be the most rewarding and the most fruitful. Now, one thing I want to point out that Jesus just likes to have a little fun with us as Christians is that, you know, we love to choose the people that we are, we connect our gardens to, right? We love to choose people who agree with us, who think like us, maybe who even look like us, you know, but God has this funny way of connecting our gardens with some of the people who we never would have chosen, who we would look at their garden and say, That is funny looking. That does not look like my garden. That is unfamiliar. And I'm not sure I want to be close to that. You know, that is the way that we are about sometimes the people that God is connecting us to in the body. But I think he has a laugh at us because what? It grows us. You know, he sees the bigger picture. He sees each of us, where we fit into the big picture, why we need to be connected to certain people, and even how certain people are going to sharpen us up. Because who knows that people who are just like us, they don't really challenge us that much a lot of times. People who are different from us, people who God knows, you need that person in your life. You just stick with that. You know, that's something that God does. It's part of his plan, part of his design. We're not in control of it. We need to yield to it. You know, we need to allow him to show us, Lord, who do you want my garden hooked up with? I'm going to trust you with that. 
okay? So now we're going to go into these expressions of agape, but we are going to keep this um, illustration of the gardens in mind as we go through. Now I will say I'm going to go very simply through each of these characteristics, but if you will allow Holy Spirit to minister to this, this to you on a very simple level, he will unfold it to you in every complicated situation you need it in, okay? Because it can be applied. But we have to receive it sometimes first on a very simple level. And it just helped me so much to think of myself and the people around me as gardens because it helped me to realize how vital it is that we be healthy, that we help ourselves be healthy gardens and that we help other people have healthy gardens. Um, perspective can actually revolutionize our love walk, okay? So this first one, walking in agape towards ourselves and others, it's going to require patience. Now, we have studied this. It is long-suffering. Um, you know, God could decide in one area of my garden, he wants to plant a slow-growing fruit tree. Now, I can get frustrated and I can get impatient about that if I'm not in tune with Holy Spirit. Now, this is something we're going to see all through our study today is being led by the Spirit because Holy Spirit will show you, I want this tree here for a purpose, for a reason. Yes, it's slower to grow. Yes, it's slower to produce fruit, but the fruit it produces is very valuable. It is rare, and I want it here, okay? So if we do not have patience with ourselves, then we're going to get frustrated, we're going to get disappointed when we look over at our neighbor's garden and we see this really fast-growing vegetable and it looks very fruitful and good. And you're thinking, well, look at all this they have going on. That's much more successful looking than this tiny little sprout of a tree that's doing nothing for years, you know. But we've got to trust Holy Spirit. We've got to trust his plan for our garden. We've got to trust that even things that are slow-growing, they are very, very important but we're going to have to be patient with the process, right? So that's why agape has to be patient. Um, when it comes to those around us, we can start comparing people around us, their growth to our own, and we can make them feel disappointed in themselves, you know, or we can compare them to other people. Comparison kills contentment. That's another theme we're going to see running through all of this. Um, you know, it can bring impatience. It can bring frustration. It can bring a looking down upon if we are comparing our neighbors all the time. So what we can do, we can honor what Holy Spirit is trying to grow in us all. Honor what he's trying to grow in my neighbor. Honor what he's trying to grow in me. Okay, if we are yielded to what he's doing and we're honoring it, then we stop comparing. We allow, we give room for that time for growth and production without pressure, without condemnation. So the people next to us, they may need to be encouraged in their impatience. Maybe the Lord has worked you through that process where you had that slow-growing fruit tree, and he started teaching you and training you how to appreciate what he was doing there. And then you look over at your neighbor, and the Lord says, you go encourage them. You go show them, I've been through this. Look, you have the same slow-growing fruit tree I have. I know what the Lord's doing here, and it's wonderful. Don't get discouraged, and you may need to encourage patience. 
You know, God is so good to pour things out to us so that we can pour it out to others. So we've got to receive that patience for ourselves. We've got to apply it to ourselves, and then we've got to share it with the people around us, right? We need to be careful not to prematurely dig up a plant because we're impatient. That plant may have just about to have gone through a major growth spurt, a breakthrough, if you will, and you have just gave up on it and dug it up, okay? Everything that went into growing that seed has now been wasted. Agape suffers long as it waits with a good attitude for the breakthrough. It doesn't give up on that little plant that's struggling, okay? It keeps on. It's patient with it, right? So agape is kind. Now, once again, this is a word we've studied. There's a lot more to it than what we think of the word kind, okay? So this means to be adaptable, to be compliant to the needs of others. It means to bend over backwards for what others need you to be to them. That's what the word kindness means. It portrays a willingness to serve and even to change in order to meet the needs of others. It is completely opposite of selfishness and self-centeredness. It's one of these characteristics that's going to keep us out of that wrong kind of self-love, okay? It's not going to be a selfish kind of self-love. We have to be flexible and compliant to what Holy Spirit is working on in us first and foremost, right? We should bend over backwards and agape towards ourselves to make sure we give him the time, the effort, the attention towards what he's doing. See, he may say, I want you to put some time towards this area of your garden because there's some rocks here of offense and of hurt and your garden's stony over here. We can't really do anything with it. So I want you to bend over backwards in love towards yourself because I'm going to help you with this area. Okay, so then you yield to Holy Spirit and you say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to give my time and attention. I'm going to bend over backwards to work on this area, to allow you heal these hurts, heal these offenses, get these stones out of the garden, you know, and then he may say, I want to do some pruning, okay, and and you need to bend over backwards in kindness to yourself to allow him to do some pruning. Now, it may hurt, pruning hurts a little bit, you know, and, and you may be thinking, haven't you pruned enough already, Lord, and here he is picking up those pruning shears again, you know, but if we will yield ourselves to Holy Spirit. We are giving ourselves kindness. You know, we are being kind to ourselves by allowing him to do the work he knows we need. When it comes to others, we also have to be in tune. We have to know how the Lord wants us to serve and give ourselves to others, right? So you can bend over backwards to serve someone because they asked you or because they put pressure on you. And The Lord sees, no, 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 I didn't ask you to bend over backwards to serve in that way. That person asked you and you're enabling them. You're not helping them, you're harming them because I didn't ask you to do that. They put pressure on you. See, this is where, once again, we want to be able to to show kindness and our love to other people, but we have to be led by the Spirit of God because it's not about our way. It's not about someone else's way. It's about his way. He sees the big picture, and he certainly knows what's best. You know, maybe your neighbor 
sees that they need some weeding done in their garden and they just think, oh, I don't really want to deal with that. I'm going to have a, see if this person will come do it for me, you know. And so they call you over to their garden and they want you to put your time and your effort into doing this for them. And the Lord says, they're not ready for it. They're not ready for it. If they get those weeds pulled out right now, their soil's not going to handle that well. It's going to damage, okay? So the Lord says, look, I have something better for you to do right now with your time. I want you to bend over backwards to serve over in this area because this is actually going to help their garden. This is what they are ready for and what they need right now. You know, that is where we just have to be so in tune with Holy Spirit when we are walking in agape because it's very tempting sometimes to do it in our own strength, to, you know, mimic agape, but do it the way we want to do it or do it the way somebody else wants us to do it. The most important thing is just to have that willing heart, but it's a willingness to serve the way he leads, to be compliant and even willing to change in order to serve in our garden and in others, right? Okay, so agape does not boast, envy, or and is not arrogant. As the Passion says, it refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. It does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. Now, it's hard to imagine envying ourselves or boasting about ourselves to ourselves um, or inflating our own importance to ourselves. It's kind of a weird thing to imagine, but if we pay attention to our self-talk, we're going to catch ourselves out, okay? <laughs> because a lot of times we things we say things to, you know, to the Lord or to ourselves. You know, Lord, I, I understand, you know, I used to have some problems in that area, but oh, you know, you grew me. I, I am good now. I am good. I am so good. Yeah, mm, I'm good. And the Lord's saying, no, we just worked on one tiny little area and now I want to go do this one. And you're like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I, I remember what it was like to work on that area. Not really sure I want to go do that again. You know, and, and what we're doing is we're talking ourselves out of the change that God has for us, right? So we're trying to make ourselves feel good in order to avoid something that's uncomfortable. Uh, perhaps it's pruning. Like I said, that can be painful, but we can't allow ourselves to build up our own egos in order to avoid the work of Holy Spirit, okay? So we also cannot be envious of what he chooses to do in our neighbor's garden. Now, here's a big one. <laughs> we may look over, and I may look over at Alexandra's garden, and I'm like, whoo, look at that. That is exotic. That is beautiful. I want that in my garden. I want one of those, Lord. You know, and I, I just have this image of how perfect that is and how beautiful it is and how wonderful. And I wonder, why doesn't mine look like that? Mine's not that pretty. Mine doesn't look the same. But what I don't see is that before this beautiful exotic growth started, there was a painful plowing and turning of the soil of Alexandra's heart to allow for this. There were all of these stones of offense that she allowed, she allowed to be cleared out. There were all of these choking vines of worldliness that she allowed to be stripped away. And there was that incessant pruning that constantly went on to keep her plants healthy that she allowed. 
you know, envy requires comparison. If we stop comparing and start allowing Holy Spirit to keep us focused on what he's doing in our own garden, then we'll understand that nothing is achieved automatically. There is a process to get there. As we see it in our own life, as we have to go through some of those hard processes, we grow in our appreciation for what he's doing in other people. Because we see people going through that same process and we're like, whew, you know, good on them. Good on them because I've been there and it takes a lot to get through that process. So rather than being envious of that person, all of a sudden you are rejoicing with them. You know, you're thinking, praise the Lord, Alexandra. I love that new plant in your garden. That is beautiful. That is fruitful. God is going to do so much with that. How exciting for you. You know, and that can be our heart towards our neighbors. Not arrogance, not boasting, not putting other people down to make ourselves feel better. Bragging and puffing ourselves up to others is like putting a huge fake plant in our garden and trying to show everyone how green and perfect it is. You know what it's going to do to some people? They're going to be intimidated by it. They're going to fall for it and they're going to think, None of my plants look that good. None of my plants look that healthy, and they're going to be discouraged by it because you tried to fake perfection. And then on the other hand, some are going to be, they're not going to fall for it. They're going to see that's fake, and they're not going to trust you. (laughs) You know, because we don't tend to trust when we see something in real, right? Okay, so agape is not rude. Stick with me. It's not rude. Rude can be translated unseemly, um, acting in an unbecoming manner, tactless, thoughtless, careless, and inconsiderate of others. Um, Both actions and words tend to be rude and discourteous. They exhibit bad manners. Their language is harsh. They're uncaring, unsensitive, unkind. That's all rolled up and rude. (laughs) So we shouldn't ever be rude to ourselves. If we are, there's a lack of respect for who we are in Christ, for what Christ has died for us to be, if we are rude to ourselves, okay? As a believer, being ugly to ourselves is not humility. It's not some spiritual discipline to keep us from being arrogant. It's just ugly. It will never promote growth, but it will cause sickness and disease in our garden. We have to speak God's word over our lives. You know, God's word gives life. No matter what we feel, no matter how terrible we feel about ourselves, we cannot allow our words to be infused with rudeness. We've got to let agape flow through our words. And agape will never be rude. It'll never speak rudely to ourselves. Okay? We can be honest, we can see where there's lack, but we don't put down or speak unkindly to ourselves. Why? Because we're in unity with Jesus. Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? Can you imagine if that rude word you said to yourself, you're saying it to him because you're part of him. And you're saying, "Mm, you know, you're ugly, you're no good, you're not smart enough. You're saying that to him. And we have to realize that about the people around us too. You know, that's why we don't speak rudely to them. They're part of him too. They're his creation. They're precious and valuable to him. 
and we do not put them down, right? Rude, unkind, careless words spoken over someone's garden can cause damage, okay? Our words give life and they give death. And when we speak rude words to others, it causes damage. It can put a wedge where there should be a connection. It can cut off the relationship God wanted. If we speak this way to others, we need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness from that person, from the Lord, and then there needs to be reconciliation, okay, if we want to mend the relationship. Agape can't behave that way. It cannot behave in this way. And when we see this, if we see this rudeness in our life, it's a sign we're not abiding in agape in this area. Um, Agape speaks life and truth and love. Those are the kinds of language that flow from agape. And it's very easy. You know, that's why our words should be few. (laughs) That's why we should be quick to hear, slow to speak. Because it's very easy to let loose rude words towards other people in a reaction. You know, it's just a flare-up of emotions and they come out. But they do lasting damage. So we need to mind our words. Okay, I'm going to end... Well, I have a couple more, but I'll do one more. How about agape does not insist on its own way. So this word for insist, it means to seek. So this depicts a person who is upset about not getting their own way. Basically, there's this huge description in what this word means about it's somebody who would actually go to the court system and demand to get their way because they are so determined. They will look for loopholes. They will look for ways to deceive people. They will look for ways to twist words to get their way. Okay, that's what this is describing. It's all about control. It's using manipulation and intimidation as tactics for control. Okay, this is what agape is not. And I love how the word of God describes a lot of what agape is not, not just what it is. It's very descriptive. So the point Paul makes here, love is not scheming or manipulating. That kind of behavior is dishonest and untruthful. Not insisting on our own way to ourselves is simply refusing to give in to our flesh, our carnal thoughts, wrong emotions. When we don't give in to those things, we're not insist- those things are insisting on their way in us. We say no because agape says no. Agape does not cooperate with that insistence. In our gardens, we can see it as plants given out to us if, uh, that they don't need to be pruned or they don't need to be watered. They don't need to be fertilized. They, knew, they know better. They know the way they want it done. They want it their way. They'll whine, they'll shout to manipulate, to intimidate us, to control us. If we listen and give in, it causes them to become unhealthy and malnourished. We have to override the argument in our garden of our flesh, of our emotions, of our mind, our carnal mind at least, uh, that is trying to bring us into, you know, rebellion and selfishness. We have to say no. Um, Towards others, this has to do with not insisting people do things our way and not insisting that they have to be like us. We're not here to control people, okay? It's easy to look at our neighbor's garden and think, if they just did it this way, or if they handled this like me, they'd be better off, you know? We assume we know what is good for people because it worked for us. However, what God is doing in their garden may require a completely different approach, Um, or it just may be a different timing, 
you know? We cannot use manipulation or intimidation to get people to do things our way or to get our way from them. Once again, we gotta be in tune with Holy Spirit to hear when it would be a good time to share a tip or advice. There may be a time where the Lord wants you to share, look, this worked for me. You know, let me share this with you. Be led by the Spirit because it's not always true. What worked for you is not all, and you cannot try to force and press your way upon other people. You have to let them make their own decisions. You have to let them yield to Holy Spirit in the way they're going to. We cannot be forceful. And we also have to be careful not to try to make people be like us. God made us all unique for a purpose. He did not want a bunch of clones running around. It's not the way he designed us. Of course, it's easier to relate when people think and act the same of us as us, but that's not God's design. And I found that I give and receive the most benefit from relationships when I allow God to lead me to them, show me how to see people through his eyes. And a lot of times, like I said, it's those very different people who challenge us, who grow us, and who we can get benefit from and give benefit to. Our gardens are made to complement each other and work together for a purpose, not to all be alike. You know, Jesus has, you know, I just see it like this beautiful tapestry of gardens, and they all have a, a huge purpose. They all have an overall purpose of working together, and we're so small in it. You know, we see such a tiny little piece of it, and we think we understand it, and we think we know better. <laughs> You know, so it's just yielding. It's yielding to his plans and his designs and letting him do things his way, right? So I hope that this illustration of a garden has helped you like it's helped me. Hope you see the importance of treating your own garden, treating others' gardens with that agape that abides, with a constant flow of his agape, because we really, really can make such a big difference. You know, we can make such a big difference. We have such an influence. The way that we handle our own garden, the way that we sow into other people. When we walk like Jesus, you know, there's a demonstration. There is real stuff. There's power in your garden. There's all kinds of good stuff that he wants you to demonstrate, to share with others. You know, but you've got to get your garden healthy. Get your garden in a healthy place. Allow him to do that work in your garden, and then he will allow you to help the people around you, you know, because then you do so without a hard heart, without a judgmental heart, without a, you know, wanting people to be like you kind of heart. It changes us. You know, he wants to change us from the inside out. He wants to change our gardens so that we will change all the gardens you know, that we can be a fruitful body of Christ. We can be a fruitful people who influence the nations, who bring more and more people into this. Because it's not just about us. It's not that we're not here on our own. Every person is an opportunity to either expose them to what a garden of life is like or to help them and learn from them as they're cultivating their own garden in connection with ours by God's design. All right? So we will cover some more next time go through some of those other attributes or expressions of agape and how they pertain to ourselves and others so thank you all so much for coming tonight i just want to pray over us before we leave all right thank you father god i just want to thank you and praise you for your word oh your word is good your word is powerful 
Oh, thank you, Father God, that we have hearts that are open to receive, that our soil is soft, that it's receiving and it's getting watered, Lord. It's allowing you to deal with things in our garden. First and foremost, Lord, we just thank you and praise you that you love us so much that you want our gardens to be healthy. You want us to be healthy, Lord. I just thank you for that. I thank you that we leave out of here. We meditate on what you said to us. We meditate on your word and we allow Holy Spirit to keep unfolding this stuff to us because we are hungry, Lord. We want more of you. We want to be more like you, Jesus. So we yield ourselves. We submit ourselves to the work you're doing in us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're creating us to be vessels that can influence and help be mighty in your kingdom. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.